Welcome to another episode of Depression, Bipolar, and Anxiety, Living as a Latter-day Saint. I'm your host, Damon Soka. Now, if you've enjoyed these podcasts, these episodes, please share them to your friends, family, and social media. Now, in the New Testament, we find Christ at the Temple Mount with his disciples. He was sitting at the treasury and watching. Now, it doesn't say as much, but I assume he came here for a very specific reason. He was about to teach a very important point in a very visual way. He had the disciples watch what was occurring at the treasury with the rich, who by the scriptures stated they had cast in very much, and a widow who was also casting in her two mites. We might assume that the words very much when discussing their abundance indicates that these rich individuals were prideful, desiring to create social value by demonstrating abundance or great plenty. The contrast drawn by the Savior between the widow and the rich does feel a little class-defining, yet the Lord did not condemn those casting in the large quantities. And so it was not either part of his lesson, or he was not judging the intention that day, or it was a sufficient lesson to note the difference in monetary value in the individuals casting in their wealth and the two mites. Now, the disciples may not have even noticed, but the Savior did and pointed it out. He noted an obscure widow casting in two mites, which make a farthing. The obvious and almost obscene difference in value appears to be an important lesson, important point in the lesson. Those two mites were minuscule in comparison to the sums and values of monies being deposited by the rich. The Savior then noted something important about the values of the money. If strictly compared face to face, there was no comparison. It was like comparing the main island of Tonga to the Asiatic continent in matter of resources. The monetary difference was so large, it was even difficult to comprehend. After the Savior had sufficiently provided for the visual lesson, he then spoke about the value of the money from actually two perspectives. The first perspective was obvious. The riches being cast in were the size of a corporation's profits, and the widow's mites were pennies. His second observation regarding the value viewed the offerings from a very different, perhaps more celestial perspective. His words were, exactly, that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. Just to break here, and to note, that he did not compare one rich person's sum of cash to the widow. He took the total sum of all the monies being cast in and compared it to the two mites. He then proceeded to note a significant difference between the widow and the rich when it came to the value of an offering. He continued, For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Okay, there's a great deal to unpack here, but it's let's hit the important ideas. First, the Savior provided a celestial balance for offerings of this kind. It is similar in many ways to how we would perceive it from his perspective. Basically, we have a set of needs and wants. Needs provide for life. Wants provide for comfort. We have, we have all our needs met, and then whatever is left over is our wants. The Savior's calculation determines that what we need in this life 
has a far greater value than our wants when it comes to a sacrifice or an offering. If you use the comparison from all the monies being cast in compared to two mites, then you will have some understanding as to how he views the difference between an offering of the needs versus wants. In his mind, those two mites of need sacrificed were worth to him more than all the wants cast into the treasury. The Savior highly values true sacrifice. Now why is that? It takes significant faith to cast in two mites when it is all your living, such as in the case of the widow. It doesn't take as much faith to give our extra to the Lord. Yes, we might have somewhat of a similar faith, but there is a big difference between paying tithing, knowing if you do, you won't have sufficient to make ends meet, and the tithing that comes of our wants. One requires us to rely on the promises of the Lord to open the windows of heaven and to act in faith, not knowing the how or sometimes even the why or the outcome. When an offering comes from our wants, we do not tend to rely upon the Lord in the same way. And in fact, we may not even give it a second thought. Now, returning to the widow, I am certain that the widow had some serious thoughts and concerns when she gave that small offering, and those concerns were about the very foundations of physical life, food, shelter, and comfort. For her to offer her needs, of her needs, in fact, the Savior notes all of her living she offered, her action required actually great faith that the Lord knew her and her offering, that she would be rewarded with her needs. Now, the rich had no need of this level of faith because nothing of their needs was in jeopardy. Now, you say, that story is all well and good, but what does it have to do with mental illness? That story is not really about money. It is truly about capacity. Let's get outside of the money discussion and broaden the horizons and what the Savior was trying to teach. What did the others have that the widow did not? They had capacity. Now, in this case, it was money, but they had capacity. They had great capacity. And with that great capacity, they were able to make sacrifices without a significant sacrifice. They didn't need to tap into their needs as their capacity was sufficient, and it appears even greater than just sufficient. And this is also important. They had the capacity to easily replace that which had been given. The widow's capacity to obtain greater wealth or increase was likely very limited. It was not coincidence that the Lord chose the widow. Those two mites were part of what would provide life. She did not likely have the means to obtain more. This means that the widow was not only limited with what she possessed currently, she was also limited in obtaining more. This provides that her two mites were even a greater price to pay because she likely had no way of replacing them. So when we look at the widow with such limited capacity and the rich overflowing with great capacity, the Lord truly wanted us to see a stark difference in the capacity of the two. He wanted us to understand how he values what we do based on our current capacities and our ability to increase it. And the answer is that the value increases dramatically when we move from our wants 
and our reserves to giving of our needs and then increases again when we are limited in our future ability to obtain those needs. Now, why does the Lord value these types of sacrifices so much? Because the difference between wants and needs is the difference between belief and reality. To give of our abundance doesn't require much more than a perhaps soft belief, but to give of our needs requires a significant witness that what we believe is real. It moves a person from the theoretical to the real. Now let's make the widow with very limited capacity someone suffering with mental illness. I will state at times that I have had only two mites to give, and I can tell you it wasn't an extra two mites. There are all types of people that have capacity in abundance, and I have often envied them, though I know that I really shouldn't. I've always wanted to be rich in the sense of casting into the treasury in abundance, and yet for most of my life I have been given the widow's mite. I've had to go to the treasury to give my time and effort as my offering, and all I have been able to give at times is a couple of meager mites. I will admit to having struggled with the limitations in my capacity regularly. In the past, I have struggled with all that I should be doing in the gospel, but simply cannot because of the limitations of my illness. I think my problem is that I get into the habit of comparing castings from the world's perspective rather than from the Lord's valuation. I don't see my small efforts and small capacity as valuable when compared to others who can cast in so much more than I. But I can hear the words of the Lord emanating from that temple mount. This widow has cast in more than all they who cast into the treasury. So what we find is that the Lord severely limits our capacity at times, but as he does so, it increases significantly the value of our effort. Our small efforts with limited capacity can have significantly more value than another's great efforts who possesses great capacity. But the value is not found in the mites. It's not found in the money. It is found in the nature of the sacrifice that occurs and the increased faith. Now, we should not be in the habit of comparing, comparing values. That was what we got me into my problem in the first place, comparing my efforts to others. But from the Lord, it does help illustrate the value the Lord perceives when we act, serve, and do small things with limited capabilities. Understand just how much the Lord values what you do while you suffer and are severely limited in your cap capabilities. Your two mites of effort you gave today from heaven's perspective are considered of far greater value than a host of efforts from individuals who have all kinds of capacity. Now, on to a second but related subject. One of the problems we often face in the gospel is that the pathway to perfection feels distant and very much uphill. And when I say distant and uphill, I mean it can feel unattainable and invisible to us. And that is especially true when we add mental illness. That distance and the elevation can truly feel impossible. So impossible that other parts of lesser, other paths of lesser value can actually seem more attainable. I don't think we typically choose lesser paths on purpose. It is difficult to see perfection. Even understanding exactly what it looks, feels, and is can be difficult for a mortal. Those mists of darkness 
are awful dark, and they obscure the path. At times, they can obscure it so darkly that stepping into the blackness to feel solid ground is all we can do. There are times when all we have is sufficient faith that the path does continue forward. Ultimately, the length and the difficulty of the path can simply just be overwhelming to a normal person. It can be so overwhelming that the stress of it for someone mental illness increases our mental illness suffering with greater anxiety and depression. Note, it was never intended to be that way. The gospel was never intended to be a self-defeating, I am not enough type of exercise. The Lord didn't invite us to be perfect so we would feel overwhelmed, defeated, and then give up on some lesser road. The problem that we deal with so often, especially when we are capacity limited, is the distance of the journey. The longer we stay within the confines of personal revelation and the Lord, the more we tend to realize our weaknesses and lack of ability and capacity when compared to perfection. We begin to truly understand just how long and difficult the road is to celestial life. We then also realize that our pace of travel is probably simply too slow to obtain perfection before Judgment Day. Those realities can make perfection feel truly impossible. But that distance and difficulty are exactly are actually an illusion brought about by Lucifer. He needs us to, to view perfection as too distant and too far to complete. He needs us to believe that we must walk the entire distance on our own and that we simply don't possess sufficient time, energy, or ability to get there. What he doesn't want us to understand is the mercy and the grace of the atonement actually closes that gap. Yes, perfection is a standard that will not relent, so the end point of our journey is not going to move towards us. Perfection is a fixed standard, and we must come to it. And yes, we will not make it on our own, and yes, the distance based on our ability to attain it is really out of our reach. But the atonement provided for grace. Grace makes up the difference no matter the size of the gap. Meaning that if we work with the Lord and we do our part, then he will provide for the remainder of the journey. This multiplying factor of the atonement can take our two mites and make them more than the bounties of the rich. The Lord cannot only take us the, the Lord cannot only take us as we are and with our meager efforts and his grace make us whole. He can allow for severe weaknesses to invade and monopolize our lives to teach us deep lessons without jeopardizing our salvation. He can not only add to our meager efforts, but he can limit our meager efforts and still reward us. He can even allow for us to learn through sin and experience and still reward us. So if we look at our life through the widow's eyes, not only does the Lord value our meager effort, because of our, but because of our weakness and our limited capacity, our efforts are greatly rewarded and valued. Effort matters very much to the Lord, and when that effort comes out of great weakness and limited energies, it matters even more to the Lord. So when we talk about limited capacities and weaknesses we possess, we can say truly that the Lord is increasing the value of our efforts. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do his.